If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. While the nation's obesity epidemic is growing, according to a new report released today. Obesity rates are up again, increasing the risk for a number of serious and deadly conditions. Doctors say the increases are alarming. Obesity raises the risk of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and some cancers. Americans are not winning their battle against obesity. BMI indexes for children have gotten so out of control, they literally had to remake the chart last month to include how fat some kids are today. Now to a CBS4 Health alert. A new study suggests children are heavier today than they were in the last decade. I am not being hyperbolic when I say that America is facing a serious epidemic with the crisis of obesity. What makes this even more frustrating is that very few Christian pastors, preachers, or influencers actually address this crisis head on. And the scriptures have verse after verse emphasizing how gluttony is not only sinful, but dangerous on this side of eternity. Proverbs 23, 21 says, For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness closes them in rags. Proverbs 23, 20 instructs us not to join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves with meat. And even in the New Testament, it echoes this same sentiment in Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, where it says, Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So no, this video is not being hyperbolic. No, this is not a crisis that any of us should take lightly. Yes, I understand, many of us are overweight. And for many of us, this is a triggering topic. But with the medical institution constantly known for treating the symptom and not the cause, there's now the talks of prescription and even surgical intervention for how this is impacting children. And the church and most Christians remain silent. So on this video, I sat down and explored the inspiring story of Trizzle Fitness, who was a board-certified orthopedic surgeon and decided to walk away from that industry in order to pursue fitness. This is the story of someone that comes from Big Pharma, yet transitioned into helping people change their life through fitness. And this is another one of those videos that if you pay attention closely, you might see me shed a tear. Bruce Lawn. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a fantastic guest today. This, in my opinion, is one of the most interesting and inspiring stories that I've came across. And I'm so happy that I was able to get this brother in the studio today. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Trizzle Man Fitness, a.k.a. Trent. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for being here, brother. Ruslan, what's going on, bro? Man, so there's so many things I want to talk to you about. Yep. First of all, you were a doctor surgeon, and then you completely transitioned to being a fitness entrepreneur. I want to talk about some of the uh, competitions you've done with mm -hmm. regards to fitness. You just got yep. out of one. Um, I, I would like to talk about the family stuff you do yeah. with babies and mm -hmm. bringing in children into your home, mm -hmm. um, your faith as well. There's, yeah. there's so many interesting parts to you yeah. um, that, that I'm super excited to get into. But um, I just want to start like how we kind of came across each other. Yep. You were initially doing music. Absolutely. 
Now, did we meet in person or did we just meet through some mutual friends over the internet? Is yeah, this our I first time meeting in person? This is our second time meeting in person. Okay. Actually, we had a conversation multiple years ago mm-hmm. where we actually sat down for coffee okay. um, to kind of go over some music stuff. I was I was interested in pursuing music yep. full time. Yep. I wanted to come into CHH full time. Yeah. Um, and actually, as, after we t- spoke, uh-huh. I realized it wasn't for me. I realized okay. it wasn't really? my path. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I talked to you off the ledge. Yeah. What re- refresh my mind on that yeah. conversation? Yeah. So it was a conversation we with well, one of our friends, uh, J Rob, introduced us. Yep. He was our, Shout out to J Rob. Yep, That's yep. the homie. He's our mutual um, connection. Mm-hmm. And I was still studying medicine at the time. Mm-hmm. I was in my under undergrad. Um, I had put out a couple of tracks beforehand. I was mm-hmm. like, man, I'm, I don't know if I want to go full-time into medicine. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go full-time in, into music. Yes. Um, and so we had a conversation together. And I think the the biggest thing for me that, that drew it was the lifestyle. I didn't want to have to travel. Mm. I didn't want to have to travel across the country, yeah. you know, because at that time I didn't know it, but family was one of my biggest values. Yeah. And I didn't know if I was ready to to leave leave yeah. the home or make that big of a sacrifice for something yeah and this is around 2017 yeah i would say 2016 2017 yeah 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 because i remember hearing some of your music back then and i remember like oh this is this is cool yeah you know and uh and j-rob was like definitely bigging you up and Uh so that's so cool yeah i actually don't remember that conversation (laughs) i remember hanging out with j-rob a couple Uh times and i remember he came down with some other friends um but that's so funny i don't remember that conversation i just remember Following you on Instagram, yeah, and then slowly like watching, and I'm like, oh, that's so dope. He's becoming a doctor. Yeah, and slowly watching, I'm like, this fool is getting shredded. Yep. And then next thing I know, you're doing the full on fitness thing mm-hmm. while finishing medical school. Yep. And at at some point, we talked through DMs or we hopped on a phone call or something, mm-hmm. and you're like, nah, dude, like I'm done. I'm going all in. My yeah. business is making this much a month. Yeah. And you completely pivoted and went all. You okay? You got to tell that story. Uh huh. Hundred percent. So. Obviously, going through medical school, I went to school at USC Keck School of Medicine mm-hmm. um, as a PA. And so going through that process, it was hard. You know, I when you're in medical school, when you're getting your master's degree, your doctorate degree, mm-hmm. you don't really have the time to work mm-hmm. and have a job. And so my wife and I were pretty much living living off of student loans mm-hmm. just month to month, you know, very difficult time. And, you know, one of my passions was fitness. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know I really love fitness. I love to work out. Even though I'm working 60 to 70 hours a week in surgery, you know, in the ICU, I still was working out five times a week. Whoa. I still had people in the hospitals, in my class, like, how are you getting to the gym mm. five times a week with this type of schedule? How are you still on your meal prep? I was yeah. bringing my meals Come on. to the hospital, right? <laughs> like, putting, like, just making it work. I'm like, I'm not missing. Yeah. And so what happened was while I was through school, I had these high-level individuals asking me, what are you doing to stay in shape? While everyone else was gaining weight, I was continuing to progress the way that I needed to. And so um, I got to a point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start sharing and documenting my journey. Yeah. Um, So I started an Instagram page just to share my journey and and the things that have helped me, the workouts I was doing. And it just, one thing led to another. I just decided I'm going to do this on the side. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to take on a couple of clients Mm -hmm. online Mm -hmm. because that's all I had the capacity to do. Mm -hmm. And obviously those couple of clients got amazing results and amazing transformation. Mm -hmm. A couple led to 10, Mm. led to 20, Mm -hmm. led to 30. And at this point, I had finished schooling. Mm -hmm. I graduated. 
I got my dream job in orthopedic surgery. Mm. I was working in foot and ankle surgery. Okay. Um, I was I was working in sports medicine. Was able to work with athletes. This was my dream job. This is exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But there's still something deep down inside of me that was like, I know that you're still made to mm. do something different and something mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And coming out of out of uh, COVID, I was continuing to train people online. I had mm-hmm. my online training business, mm-hmm. and it got to a point. After I got my job, mm-hmm. my dream job, I was I was only two months in, mm-hmm. where I hit a I hit a fork in the road. I probably had like fifty clients at the Whoa, time. You got fifty clients. So I, I have fifty clients, and I'm working fifty to sixty hours a week at my job, right? Wow. And so I hit a fork in the road where I had to make a decision. You know, what what am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. Am I gonna chase what my heart like really loves, mm-hmm. or am I am I going to settle for something that was comfortable? It was a good paying job, mm-hmm. but it wasn't didn't give me that full satisfaction I needed. And here's the thing: a lot of the times when I talk to people about quitting my job, most mm-hmm. people when they quit their job, they hate what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're like, "Oh, I hate my job. Right. I want to start my own business." I didn't hate what you I liked did. What you did. I liked what I did. Yeah. I was able to serve and and uh, love people and, yeah. and see healing come. Yeah. yeah. But I knew that there was something you know greater that mm-hmm. I I wanted to do, and so yeah. I'm, I took the leap. I let go of something that was comfortable, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Wow. That is so fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So, let, so let's back up. Because when we're hanging out initially, uh-huh. we're talking about music. Yep. So there's something in you that has this entrepreneurial creative oh, spark. Mm-hmm. How did you end up wanting to be a surgeon? Yeah. I think for me, when I look back at it now that I'm like out of that mindset yep. and out of that field, yep. one of the things that attracted me to medicine was the was the safety in it mm. was i was like man i want something secure come on i want something that's safe mm-hmm. and i want something that you know will provide my family with with a good good background mm-hmm. i didn't taking risks was something that i always tried to steer away from mm-hmm. and so i was like okay what can i do that's safe and secure mm-hmm. that you know i have a high likelihood of staying at this career yeah. and in this place for a long time where i could yeah. still grow and so that's where i was drawn to medicine for me I have a big a basketball background. Mm-hmm. Played basketball in high school. Mm-hmm. Actually, was able. I played against Kawhi Leonard my freshman year of high wow. school, which was okay. cool. Okay, okay. But uh, my my senior year of high school I ended up having four foot surgeries. Oof, four foot surgeries, which is probably career ending at that point. Career ending. Yeah. Um, I was 17 years old, sitting in front of my doctor at the time, and he said, "Told me, Trent, you'll never be able to run again in Oof. your life." And that was devastating for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, so going through that process, did you just roll your ankle or what happened? I'm sorry. So pretty much, I, I rolled my ankle, uh-huh. and I ended. Up, I had two um, floating bones in the back of my heel, like a super rare. It's called Ostrigonum syndrome. Ouch! Like five percent of people in the world have it. Just uh-huh. one of those rare, w- weird things. And so it was a domino effect where I was supposed to only have one surgery, led to two. Mm. You know, led to three, led to the other foot being an issue led to this, these surgeries should work, mm-hmm. to me having worse pain before you know, the surgeries even occurred, right? And so I, I was left with these surgeries at 17 years old, not being able to play basketball anymore. Uh-huh. Empty. You know, my yeah. dream. Yeah. Everything I wanted to do yeah. was wrapped up in basketball. You, you, you think you were going to – because you're, you're a pretty tall guy, right? Yeah. So you got some good genetics going for you. Yeah. How far do you think you could have really taken it with basketball? I was I was looking to go Division One. D- D1. So you probably – you could have went D1. Yes. Wow. I definitely could have gone gone D1 at that time. Uh, as I was playing the point guard. I, de- I had some size, too. I was still lifting yeah. at that time. Because so, how tall are you? Like 6'1". Six, 6'1". Six one. Six one. So 6'1". Yeah. Point guard. Yeah. 
That's I mean you could you could have potentially went to the league just on that those statistics alone. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I, I was able to dunk, you know, so I, I definitely was athletic, but you know things led one thing led to another, and yeah. I, I had to give up basketball. Yeah, was there an element of like the type of family you come from, kind of wanting yeah. that stability for you as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that happened when I was younger throughout the 2008 recession, my family did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad did really well. We got everything stripped from us. Mm. We got our house stripped from us. Oh man! Um, my dad lost his job. My parents got divorced, and so my entire family broke throughout the 2008 rece- uh, recession. Wow! So for me, going into high school, and I'm the oldest sibling out of three, and so I had to be the rock for my mom. I had to I had to man up at mm. the time. I was in seventh grade. I think I was mm. 13 years old, and so I had to be be pretty much the big brother. I had to be the support system for my mom who mm-hmm. struggled to pay the bills after mm-hmm. we were super financially well off. And so going into high school, I was like, I never want my family to ever mm-hmm. deal with something like that again. Mm-hmm. So what is a career that can help me provide that stability, provide that security wow. for my future family? Wow. And so it took a lot of healing kind of looking back to yeah. be like, man, what even led me to this position in the first place? Like you said, I have a creative spirit. Like yeah. my heart is to create. Yeah. My heart is to be in leadership. Yeah. You know, and so that's why I always knew that something was missing, mm. even though I was in such a great field and yeah. a great career. Yeah. Wow. That's that's so interesting that that you know w- once you say it out loud. Yeah. You were able to piece it all together and like mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's a it was a scarcity mindset, but mm-hmm. it, it kind of was yeah. like I want stability, protection. Mm-hmm. I don't I want to be risk averse. Yep, because risk got you know disrupted my family. Yep, and and so then you go after this very safe career, which you were still passionate mm-hmm. about, but then ended up um, you know yearning for more. Yep, you know, and so I, I just think of a lot of people. I was listening to this to this Coffeezilla. Lex podcast, and mm-hmm. they talked about uh, the ability to dream is the ability to stare at the odds mm. and to say, mm. like, I'm going to go after this anyway. Yeah. Right. And so, like, you're looking at this entire thing and you're like, I'm still going to do something creative. Mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, there's only but so many influencers. There's yeah. only but so many fitness professionals. There's only, yeah. right? Uh, making it on YouTube, making it mm-hmm. on TikTok, making it on these. Like, it's, it's, it's a, the odds are so against you. Yeah. But it sounds like you just put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. You just kept going. And then when was the moment where mm-hmm. you're like, dude, my fitness income mm-hmm. has surpassed my doctor yeah. income? Yeah, totally. And I, yeah, I think for me, like... Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I was like, I'm t- it's too late. Mm-hmm. I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. I had all these reasons why like, I couldn't go all in. And mm-hmm. so that's why I always had one foot in both avenues. Yeah. I could have quit my job and completely given up my career like months before I did. Mm-hmm. But I, was, I wanted to hold on to both. I wanted that stability. Yeah. I wanted that security. Yep. What's going to happen a year from now? Yep. Two years from now? Yep. I had my parents throwing you know doubt in my head you know mm. are you sure this is what you want to do you went to school for eight years <laughs> you, you took out two hundred fifty thousand dollars of student yep. loans you're yeah. gonna give that up for yep. this yep yep 
for Instagram, right? And so I had all all these people just throwing little doubts at me. Like my parents believed in me. Yeah. But you know, they still were, are you sure? Are yeah. you sure? Because they just want bet what's best for their yeah, kid. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They were gonna support me either way, but at the same time, they're like, You gotta really think hard about this decision. <laughs> you know, you went spent eight years. And most people spending that much time into going to school for something and that much money, you know, that's a very difficult decision to make. So for me, like I said, I, I reached about fifty to sixty clients. Mm-hmm. I was making good money probably about the same that I was making um, at my job. But really the defining moment was actually I had a, a full-blown anxiety attack from the o- o- being overworked for so long. Wow. That was the breaking moment for me. Huh. Because obviously something has to break eventually. Yeah. And the thing that broke for me was myself. Hmm. It was myself and my marriage at the time. Wow. Actually, I was still providing the service to my clients. I was still showing up to my job. Yeah. But I was working, you know, at that time, it was probably 16, you know, 17-hour days, not yeah. sleeping. Yeah. And so I found myself curled up in a ball in my kitchen. Just at this point, I was like, I cannot take this anymore. There's wow. too much pressure. Wow. You know, I, I'm not taking a day, any days off. I have no rest. It's just too much on my back. Mm. And tell me about that. Like, what, yeah. Like, what, was it something that triggered it, or it, it was nothing, and then you, you just, like, t- walk me yeah. through what happened that day. Yeah, I had never experienced anxiety in my life before yeah. Yeah. until that time. Yeah. And so... For me, over the span of pretty much my my day-to-day workflow was I would have to wake up at 4 a.m., work for probably two hours before going to work, mm-hmm. and then I'd go on lunch break and jam-pack an hour of work inside mm-hmm. of my lunch break, mm-hmm. and then I'd get off, get out of surgery, let's say 5 o'clock, sometimes later, 6 o'clock, mm-hmm. go to the gym, film content from like 6 to 8, get off of the gym, work for another hour to two mm-hmm. to finish up with my clients, and that was every day. And then Saturdays and Sundays were slammed with client calls. Mm. So I was trying to do two things at, at once. Two full-time things. Two full-time things yeah. at one time. Yeah. And it was just too much for me. You know, I, was, I, I thought I could be a machine, but eventually you break down. Mm. So for me, I was feeling the anxiety. I was feeling the stress come on. And so it was just so much pressure and so much demand. If you think about the demand I was under, you know, having to do surgery, which is a lot of demand, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. stressful in itself. And then having to manage, let's say, 50 to 60 people in terms of that I'm training was just too much for me to handle. And eventually, I, I just didn't have the energy for my wife. I didn't have the energy at home. Mm-hmm. And so my wife's like, you have to make this decision. Yeah. You know, you can't hold on to both of these things. You're yeah. not you're not a machine. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. And so and so out of nowhere, it this, this overwhelming feeling of anxiety mm-hmm. comes on and you have like a break. It was probably... About a month and a half, two months mm-hmm. time frame where it was just building up, mm. building up of, and me just continuing to mask it. Mm. Like, this isn't something I deal with. Mm-hmm. This isn't something I could push through. Mm-hmm. You know, you could man up and just get it done, mm-hmm. grind, mm. keep going, mm-hmm. you know. And I just had this just don't even worry about it, ignore it yeah. sense. Yeah. And eventually it just got too much. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I, I just can't handle this anymore. Yeah. I have to make a decision. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. And so after how long from from the moment uh-huh. you have this anxiety attack to when mm-hmm. you finally quit? How long is that window? Yeah, that was probably about a 6 week window. Hold on, so you have this gnarly anxiety yeah. <laughs> attack, you're broken down mm-hmm. and you still waited 6 weeks? Yep, I did. Wow. I still waited 6 weeks. Um my, my plan, I was always waiting for the next thing. So my wife was actually pregnant, so I was like I'm going to wait until she gives birth and then it'll be a little easier for me. 
Because I was scared. I had only been working for like three months. So I'm like, how am I going to tell these people that I'm going to quit? After <laughs> I, they just, I just got hired, yeah. you know, then three months in, yep. right out of school. Yep. Like, you know, for, for a job like that, that's not something you do. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want it to look bad on my resume. Yeah. I, I gave them my word for a year. Yeah. That's what I kept telling my wife. But I, but I told them a year. I'm a man of integrity. Yeah. I don't want to quit my job. Yeah. I told them I'd give them at least a year. Yeah. And she's like, are you going to choose that or, you know, your family and right. yourself? Put right. yourself first. What right. are you going to put first? Right. Yeah. Wow. And what role is faith playing in this process? Yeah. So at this point, I'm like asking the Lord. I'm like, Lord, like I know you want me to do fitness. Yeah. But like I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared I'm going to lose that security. Yeah. I'm scared I'm going to use lose that stability. Yeah. And surprisingly enough, I, I asking the Lord, like Lord, sh- just show me, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Give me something that I could go off of. Yeah. And my wife and I both get COVID. This is the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. We both get COVID. We both get sick. Mm. And um, I have to be out of work. I'm not able to go to my job. During that week or two that I wasn't working full-time at my job Mm -hmm. i think i made um my my like a two-month salary in one week well with my business well being able to do it full-time you just you just something just blew up that that yeah wow yeah that week and i'm like man i just made two months of pay paychecks in one week being able to give it full-time and Mm -hmm. i was still sick Mm. that was pretty much all i needed and just being i was able to have that time where i was home and so it's it's kind of was one of those weird things. I know we hear a lot of stories about it where COVID ended up being a blessing for yeah, me. Man. That I got sick um, during that time and actually had to get a taste of what it would be to be full-time. And that was it for me. <laughs> I came back right when I got sick. I put in my my two weeks. And yeah. they're like, all right. Man, what, what's so fascinating about all of this that you just mm-hmm. told is that there's this degree mm-hmm. of the the things that the scars yeah. from your childhood mm-hmm. drive you to do one of the hardest things that anyone could do, which is become mm-hmm. a doctor. I have a, quite mm-hmm. a few friends that are doctors. Yeah. They all, it's all the same story. Yeah. Which is a whole nother conversation of like, why do we drive our, yeah. one of the, arguably one of the most important physicians mm-hmm. in society, why do we drive these people so hard? You yeah. Know, 60, 70 hours a week. Um, so you, you do, you do the impossible. Like you mm-hmm. do something that is so difficult and it's almost from this it's it's from a darkness almost, mm-hmm. right? Like it's from yeah. this like I need to control as much as I can control. Mm-hmm. Yet it's the very it's probably some of the same exact attributes, the drive, mm-hmm. the hunger, the grind, the focus, yeah. the intensity that empowered you to be both creative and entrepreneurial, that mm-hmm. empowered you to build this entire TikTok following and Instagram 100%. following. Um that led you to where you're at now. Mm-hmm. So it just it just reminds me of 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 that you know that verse in Romans, right? Mm-hmm. Like all things work for good for those who love yeah. God and are called according to His purpose. Like Absolutely. all of these things mm-hmm. that were probably uncomfortable to go through, somehow God's kind of worked mm-hmm. them out to this like incredible season you're in now. Yeah, absolutely. And like a lot of the times when I tell people that I'm two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt, something that I don't use. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very, they're very surprised, and they're like, "Oh man, like that—that's terrible. That sucks." And I'm like, "I know that the Lord brought me to that place for a reason." And mm-hmm. that's the—it's the same skills and work ethic that I developed going through that journey and process that I believe has helped me become so successful. Mm-hmm. Has helped me be on one of the, you know, the top one percent of trainers in the world mm-hmm. is because I was able to go through that process. I know what it's like to work long hours. Yeah. I know what it's like to solve problems and right. be under high stress. Right, 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 right. 
Uh, and I'm sure you, if you haven't, you're going to mm. knock that 250k out pretty quick. Yeah, considering exactly. how well the business is yeah, doing yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so 100%. it's it's because because what people don't think about is mm. the opportunity cost of not doing the fitness yes. thing, mm. right? Because yes. yes, you could. What would a what were you making as a doc a year? I was making probably a hundred and fifty thousand. Where's the cap? And, and if you don't start your own practice, yeah. where's the cap on 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 that salary? Probably 300. 300, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, yeah. as a, content, fitness, yeah. I mean, you're, you're just scratching the surface of YouTube. Exactly. There's no lid on that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make 3x, 4x that, yeah. you know, and and, and 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 provide economic opportunity for other people, yeah, have absolutely. a team of people that, mm-hmm. that, that are able to learn as well as get paid to work with mm-hmm. you. You know, so, like, that's the part I think people don't understand. Like, yes, that 300K sounds mm-hmm. nice. But is it mm-hmm. worth the potential six, seven, eight, nine hundred k yeah. a year mm-hmm. that you're missing out on because you played it safe and you don't have a cap with your time? So in order mm-hmm. to make extra, let's say you're going from 150 to 300 k, mm-hmm. like you're working more hours, mm-hmm. so you're trading more time for more dollars. Right, right. You know the top surgeons in the world they work ridiculously long hours. We're talking 80, 90, 100 hours a week, and that's yeah. just what that's what what you got to do. Yeah. Do you think there needs to be some reform in that system? I think, you know, the, the system is made for specific people and mm-hmm. individuals, yeah. right? But there are definitely a lot of flaws. There's definitely a lot of, obviously, like, our healthcare system is severely understaffed, mm-hmm. um, especially with the way that, you know, health is just going in our in our nation. We're just understaffed, you mm-hmm. know, and it, I don't think it has anything, if there's anything wrong with the specific doctors, but it's just the the ecosystem as a whole yeah because they don't want to heal you they just want to give you something to make you feel better yeah yeah and so that was another thing that was i was passionate about with fitness is now like i'm able to solve the problem before it even occurs it's it's preventative medicine a preventative medicine where like i'm actually seeing people get off medication and never have to get back on it you know i don't have to give them more medication and so um that's where what drives me and one of my biggest passions is is seeing my clients get off medication, seeing them feel better, mm. seeing them not have to just rely on caffeine all day long just mm-hmm. to get by, mm-hmm. waking up like a train hit them hit them when they woke up in the morning, you know? So that's the stuff that I love. That's so cool, man. Uh, and, and I want to talk more about the fitness, yeah. the fitness side of things as well. Um, tell me about the stuff I've been seeing from you on social media, mm-hmm. man, where uh, you open up your home mm-hmm. and you take in these babies uh-huh. and... Uh, and you're, I mean, you're literally able to be a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah. So one of the big initiatives that that my church does is we're really big on foster care. Mm. And so um, our lead pastors, we... And where do you go to church? Shout out to church. church. Uh, Zion Church in San Clemente, California. Shout, so shout out, out to Zion. Zion. Church, yeah. um, so lead pastors led the way. They, they brought on, um, they've had about three or four foster children. And so mm. our goal is to have over 25 foster families mm. in our church. We have about, I think, uh, 10 families right now that are fostering. So the fostering was actually my wife's like calling. She's like, I don't care if you want to do this or not. We're doing it. You know, <laughs> what it, dude. Yeah, she's like, you're either coming with me or not. And yeah. I'm like, all right, we got to uh, figure this out. So um, I was super hesitant, as most men are. Yeah. I was yeah. like, man, I, how is this going to work? Yeah. We already have a year and a half a daughter. I run a full-time business. I don't have any spare time mm-hmm. to take in children that are not mine. Yeah. You know, I know there's this is a good idea and this is good for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but 
for us who are too busy for this, mm. you know? And so my wife's challenge to me was she's like, just take that next step, like mm. go to that next meeting. And mm. I was like, all right, I'll be open to it, you know? And, and what's, what's, what's interesting is the more and more that I actually opened my heart to it and the more and more I opened up the word, I, I saw that it was actually God's heart. Dude, come on, bro. I saw it was his heart and I'm like, man, if I, if I open up the word and I just ask the Lord to reveal what his heart is for foster care, it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's everywhere. Everywhere. There's so many metaphors Bible. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I just couldn't get away from it. It just would just hit me in the face every time I would open the word. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to give this a shot and trust the Lord. And I know that every, every story I hear with foster families are like, he never, he'll never let you down. Mm-hmm. Like the same thing we talk about, you know, with tithing and, yeah. and just trusting God in different, different ways. Like I knew he wouldn't let me down. And yeah. this is just another way yeah. for me to trust him on a deeper level. And so we opened up our home. We got certified. Like, okay, we're going to take in taking these kids. Our our age range was two and under, yep. so they don't like you taking children that are older than your oldest. Because mm-hmm. sometimes if they have a negative influence, they'll negatively influence your your younger kids. Mm-hmm. So my oldest is like a year and a half. So all of the kids we're taking are going to be under a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, we just moved into a five bedroom house. So it was like our our dream house, and it was cool because. The day we moved into the house, we got our our first call um, for these the, kids. The day you move into the your the, dream I'm, house, yeah, I'm not even kidding. You get mm-hmm. the first call. Mm-hmm. Come on, we get the first call, and at that point, we're like, we have boxes in the house, <laughs> right? Like, I'm talking. If you've ever moved, you know how it is to move. It's a process. Yeah, so we is. have boxes all over the place, or yeah. couches, and even then there, like, hey, we got two twins mm. for you, and they're three months old. <sighs> You want to take them or no? They're you know, they're in the in the in the group home. Yeah. Right. And so you get a call like that. You know, you're gonna drop everything and you just you you pray about it. We t- took some time. Um, they called us at twelve o'clock and they at, said at night or at twelve night? o'clock and uh, at noon noon. Uh-huh. And we called them back ten minutes later. Like yeah, we'll take them. Like okay, wow. pick them up in an hour. Yeah. Right. Pick up <laughs> twins in an hour. Come on. So I had and and uh, all of you men out there, you know how it is. Like I didn't have time to process yeah. this. I'm like. What are we gonna do? I don't have time yeah. to take care of two babies, and so we, we bring these babies into our house, and it's cool because our, our church has such an awesome support system where you know we had a support team come around us and yeah. help us out. And the twins ended up being a, pr- a very short term thing. We only had them for a week, and then they went back to their uh, biological dad. Yeah. So we're like, oh, all right, cool. We'll take a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, and a month later, we get another call. Yeah. For a five day old baby. He was abandoned in the hospital. Oh my gosh! Did you guys want to take this baby? Um, he was abandoned, you know, uh, drug abused. Yeah. And so we said, yeah, we'll we'll take him in. Yeah. So five day old baby, um, drug abused. We didn't really know his story. The first twenty four hours, we had him. Um, he has two seizures, right? So he has two oh, seizures. Oh my gosh! And um, you know, this led us to go back into the hospital. So we were in the hospital for a couple of days. Yeah. About five days at a time. So. This is a whole process I'm I'm brand new to where, you know, we're in the hospital. Yeah. We have no idea what's happening. It's a baby. It's not even mine. But, you know, you just feel the father's heart for 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 these babies, for the um, disenfranchised. You know, and one of the things that that I've grown over the last couple of months, and he's six months old now. He's doing amazing. And you know, he's with you guys God. still. Yeah, he's still with wow. us. Right. And so it's, it's a completely you know, unknown process. We don't know the next steps, but mm-hmm. we know he's with us now. Yeah. Right. So what's cool is being a man who likes to have everything planned out. 
like going through the foster care process, nothing is planned. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. And so you actually have to trust the Lord on on what's next. And you try to piece things together. You're like, are we going to have him? Right. Is he going to go back? But really nothing's known. Yeah. And so it's been such a cool journey of just walking with the Lord yeah. step by step. And yeah. just, um, you know, growing in my faith in, in different ways. And and like like I said, he never lets you down. Yeah. And he's provided above and beyond yeah. like, for us. That's so cool, man. And mm-hmm. I think people... I do some stuff offline that I don't talk about publicly, but yeah. I don't think people understand the blessing that that is. Mm-hmm. Like to be a father mm-hmm. to the fatherless, to look out for your family, your extended family, mm-hmm. to look out for people that are hurting. To I mean, especially like babies, like yeah. the most vulnerable, you know. Um, and I always think about Matthew chapter twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Matthew chapter twenty-five, probably my favorite chapter in the Bible, and it starts with the parable of the. Uh, the prepared virgins mm-hmm. waiting for the bridegroom versus the unprepared virgins, yeah. right? So it's about like, hey, Jesus is like, hey, like be prepared mm-hmm. for my return. I'm going to come. You need to be prepared. Yeah. Then the next parable is the parable of the talents, mm-hmm. which is all about management and yeah. stewardship, right? And then if something really interesting happens, then he shifts and it's no longer a parable. He starts talking mm-hmm. about on the last days, I'll separate the goats from the sheep. Mm-hmm. And I will say, um, you know, when I was poor, uh, you, you, when I was hungry, you fed me. When yeah. I was naked, you clothed me. And, um, and then he says, well, we, when would we see you? And he said, whatever you did to the least of these. Mm, right. Yep. And then he says to the opposite group. Right. And so it's this interesting, beautiful chapter of like, mm. live your life as if Jesus can come back. Yeah. Yet be diligent and faithful mm. and steward what mm. God has given you, your time, yep. talent, and treasure so that mm. you can care for the least of these. Mm. Right. Like that succession is so crucial and mm-hmm. and it's in my opinion it's so missed by so many Christians yes right uh that there is a practical tangible side to our faith mm-hmm. and you're exhibiting it man and it's so beautiful because um I I think when you look at the statistics mm-hmm. practicing Christian not, not a practice not even practicing just people Christians religious yeah, Christians yeah. adopt at two and a half times the rate mm-hmm as non-Christians. Mm. So we're already doing two and a yeah. half times the work. Yeah. But I would wonder what that would look like mm-hmm. if we all, or half, yeah. or 30%, right? If it mm-hmm. wasn't just, oh, well, 5% of Christians. Yeah. You yeah. know, but like like a bigger chunk of us did mm-hmm. what you did. Hey, I'm, I'm going to live my life like Jesus is going to come mm-hmm. back. Because he is. Yeah. But I'm also going to be faithful with my time, talent, and treasure. God put something in you. Mm-hmm. Some of that came from trauma and hurt and scars, mm-hmm. but you channeled it into something beautiful with getting a literary, yeah. like become a doctor. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to even level up even bigger mm-hmm. so that you could be a father to the mm-hmm. fatherless. Absolutely. And I, th- I think the stat is like if every church were to take in two um, foster children, there would be no foster Come problem in the, in the world right? every church yes took in two mm-hmm. how many kids are in foster care in america do you know that number i don't know the number in america i know in la county which is really bad it's yeah. four hundred and thirty thousand, which is one of the you know worst in the world so the the system is you know four hundred and thirty thousand children just yes. in la county mm-hmm. wow that's crazy and there's there's at least 300,000 denominations mm-hmm. in America. I know that there's 40, there's, excuse me, there's 300 mm-hmm. denominations in America, 40,000 worldwide. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you start 
taking those numbers yeah. and you start reducing them. Whoa, like we could really move the needle yeah. on all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think like one of the things that's when you look back like hundred years ago, two hundred like the church is supposed to be the answer to a lot of these social yeah. issues. Come on. You know, like look at, you know, just from my my experience and perspective, most hospital names are based off of churches yeah. yep. because the church right. was the answer to most medical problems. Yeah. And so now in our our generation and culture, you know, we're kind of we've kind of strayed away from that. And so mm-hmm. a lot of these issues when we talk about like social issues, the church is supposed to be the answer and the Come solution on. to it. Come on. Come on. What do you think that is? Like why, mm-hmm. why how and why did we get so apathetic? Like I read that chapter to people mm-hmm. all the time and they mm-hmm. go, "You just you're concerned about uh-huh. money." Uh-huh. And blah, don't be worried. About. I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Like money is just a means to an end." Mm-hmm. Money is just a means to an end to do to yeah. be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like it's not about the money, mm-hmm. but it is about the stewardship and the faithfulness. Exactly. And I get so much pushback on that. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you? Where did we lose sight of that? Yeah, I mean, it's like you know the verse in Luke: "Be faithful with a little, mm-hmm. you'll be faithful with a lot." Yeah. You know, I think we've just become apathetic. It's almost like that mindset where, let's say, someone drops and has a heart attack in the middle of the street, and you just point the finger like it's on you it's on you mm-hmm. you know that actually, actually was an experience i had like a month or two ago where someone had a seizure in a big public place and no one steps up <sighs> because they everyone expects someone else to do it yeah you know and i think now that we live in such a public world mm-hmm. where everything's exposed our generation is waiting for someone else to make a move mm-hmm. you know and, yeah. and we have this reason why we can't act there's always an excuse and there will always be a reason. That's something I've learned, you know, is going through this process. I will always have a reason not to take care of the disenfranchised in my life. Yeah. Whether it's financially tight, time is tight. Yeah. Just had to, there will always be something. Yeah. Because love isn't easy. Mm. You know, love requires oh, that's sacrifice. Right? Yeah, come on. Like, that's just the truth. Yeah. Love is not easy and it's not convenient. And so if I actually want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, I have to be willing to, to, do something that's yeah. inconvenient and might inconvenience my life. And uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And uncomfortable. Wow. Um, man, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, if we're talking about stewardship, mm-hmm. right, and and faithfulness, mm-hmm. uh, bringing it back to being faithful with our bodies, mm-hmm. right, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 like, functioning in a way where you can be optimal to maybe level up your income or pivot yeah. to a different career, or have the emotional capacity to take in a child, mm-hmm. or, right? Like that's a big commitment. Um, you said something on one of your videos yesterday, mm-hmm. a, a couple of days ago. I don't remember when it was, but you said something interesting. You said it is not normal for people to be walking around 30, 40 mm-hmm. pounds overweight, mm-hmm. but it's common. Mm-hmm. And we've taken things that are common mm-hmm. and we've made them normal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, that is such a gem. <laughs> And so unpack that a little bit for mm-hmm. me, right? Like pe- most 70% of Americans are overweight. Mm-hmm. 40% are obese. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the 70%. Mm-hmm. We were talking offline, right? Yeah. Like I'm 30 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. And then when you said that, that hit me. And I was like, man, he's he's right. And I've done, I know what it, t- I know what yeah. it takes, right? Yeah. Um, but unpack that for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like we talk about the quote where you're most like the five individuals you're surrounded oh, yeah. with. Like if you're around five Rich people, you'll be the six, yep. right? So make sure you're surrounding yourself with people you want to be like. And so, like you said, 70% of our world is obese, of our nation is obese. So 
the people you're surrounded with and most of us surrounded with, even myself, are not physically fit and physically active. So Mm -hmm. it has become even more and more difficult to put yourself in that place because of the people that you're surrounded with. And so I think the the phrase I talked about in the video is just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal. We we began to normalize being overweight, Mm -hmm. being 20, 30 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. And it's something that this guy next to me, the guy at work, my family, my friends, they're all 20, 30 pounds overweight, so I'm good. Yeah. I'm, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Yep. You know, and as you begin to get fit, you start to experience this for yourself where the people that are 20 or 30 pounds overweight, yeah, and they see you get in shape. This is something I have to talk to with my clients about all the time. One of their yeah. biggest struggles is they start to have people be insecure to them. Mm. A little it's bit just of resentment. one cookie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you so serious? Why uh-huh. are you taking this diet so serious? Uh-huh. Like, oh, it looks like you're losing weight. You must be working hard. Like, how long is this going to last, right? So people start to throw shade at you. Yep. It's almost like the analogy where you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and one crab tries to jump out and the crab's pulling back down. Yep. You know, people will always try to pull you back down. So something that is common has now become normal. Mm. And success in any area of your life gets lonely. And fitness has become that one of those areas mm-hmm. where now it's not normal to be in shape. Mm. To be in shape and to be at your ideal weight is something that is not normal anymore. Yep. And so now you're in a category of your own where success looks a lot different than it did, let's say, 20 or 30 years ago in terms of fitness. Yep. Yep. There's a wild statistic, and I'm sure you've heard of it. If mm-hmm. you haven't, you could use it free of charge yeah <laughs> you're statistically more likely mm-hmm. in america you're statistically more likely to be a millionaire than you are to have a six-pack mm-hmm. that's insane yep there's 15 Love million 15 million millionaires uh in my millionaire i mean net worth i don't mean mm-hmm. make a million a year i mean they their net worth is a million mm-hmm. and there's only about 25,000, 30,000 people walking mm-hmm. around lean enough where their abs are showing. yeah wow that's insane dude yeah that's crazy. I, I love that. And it shows you that if you're able to get a six-pack, yep. you're able to get in shape, you're yep. able to have a transformation, what else do you think you could do in your life? Come on. You know, like, I think for a lot of people that feel stuck in life, that's mm-hmm. one of the, the best gateways and, and just ways that you can get to that next level in your life. Yep. Like, master yourself. Come on. You know, like, if you struggle with your eating habits, if you struggle with complacency, if you struggle with being waking up on time in the morning, like master that stuff first. Come on. Stop focusing on on your career and yep. getting a raise yep. and saving XYZ amount of money. Master waking up on time. Yeah. Like master what you're doing on yes. your day-to-day stuff. And yes. I promise you that will bleed into everything else. Yeah, because at least you could take you you could take ownership of mm-hmm. that. You could take ownership of mm-hmm. how active you are and what goes yeah. in your mouth. You may not be able to take ownership of your income right mm-hmm. now. You may not be able mm-hmm. to take ownership, right, of where you are in your career right now. Exactly. But you can take ownership of what goes in your mouth and how mm-hmm. active you are. Everyone can. You know? What are some of the pitfalls that people mm-hmm. struggle with? I want to in a second, I want to talk about some of the ideology we're yeah. hearing. Fat positivity, healthy yeah. at every size, some of that nonsense. But what are some things that that are are, are hindrances to getting people in shape mm-hmm. on a on a practical level? The practical thing really is is your belief system wow you know, do you believe you can actually do this thing come on i think so many people are stuck in their and who they are and their weight yeah and their appearance has be, become their identity mm. this is who i am mm-hmm. you know it's almost like when we talk about smoking the individual that identifies himself as a smoker yeah 
versus someone who identifies themselves as someone who smokes mm -hmm. get completely different results in terms of getting clean. Mm. The person who identifies themselves as a smoker has a real hard time breaking their addiction mm -hmm. versus the person that says, I'm someone who smokes. Mm -hmm. they've, they've disattached themselves from that mm -hmm. completely. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of people, even though they get started in, fit, in their fitness journey and they get a lot of results, a lot of people are able to do, look, look at New Year's resolutioners, right? They're able to commit to a full month. Yeah. But they self-sabotage mm -hmm. because they like and they're comfortable with their state of being because mm -hmm. it's become their identity and they don't want to wow. let that go. That's deep, man. So you're saying mindset first. Absolutely. What are some practical, mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, hey, man, eat this, not that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I think this is healthy, but it's actually terrible mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, I think the practical stuff in terms of what you should be eating is really just learning and gaining an understanding of what calories you're putting into your mouth mm -hmm. like becoming calorie aware mm -hmm. is one of the biggest assets you could do to your physical body mm -hmm. and i'm not talking about track being like you know super strict about tracking your food i believe in tracking your food but i don't that's not the only way mm -hmm. to lose weight and get in shape but if you could commit to becoming calorie aware fitness and being healthy and being in shape is an acquired skill just mm -hmm. like anything else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tracking your food and learning about calories and learning how to cook these are all acquired skills that everyone can do. Like we said, this is something that every individual can control. Mm -hmm. I can control what I put in my mouth. I can control how many calories I'm eating, right? So in terms of like what I eat, mm -hmm. there are no foods that are off limit for me personally. Mm -hmm. That's just an easier way of me for me of living. Mm -hmm. But what is off limits is me going over my portions. Mm -hmm. What is off limits is me having too much of this, right? Mm -hmm. Me opening a bag of chips. I think some of the practical things, number one, if you're struggling with a certain food, get it out of your house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. I love ice cream. It's not in my house. Yeah, ice cream for ice cream. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like I love ice cream. I still have have like urges to eat ice cream. Yeah. But guess what? If I'm gonna eat ice cream, I gotta go yeah, to the yeah. store yeah, to yeah. buy it. Yep. It's not just in my freezer. Yep. Because if you have foods in your house that you love, and that are difficult for you're, you to say no to, to yeah, yeah, yeah. guess what happens when you had a long day at work or you mm -hmm. had a, got in a fight with your wife or you know, you're know you super stressed out, mm -hmm. you open up the pantry. Mm. It's right there. Mm. Every time you open up the pantry or the fridge and you have to look at that food, your brain has to physically say no to that food item. Yeah, yeah. And willpower can only take you so far. Exactly. Yeah. Think about how many times you have to say no yeah. to the foods you love yep, yep. if it's in your fridge and yep. it's right there. Yep. You know, it's like when you put... When you have a bowl of cookies on your kitchen counter mm -hmm. versus the, the cookies are in the back of the counter, you don't have a, str a struggle with it, right? Yep, like yep, that's good. Even like fruit. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have food that in our that's in our fridge that goes bad. Mm -hmm. Why does it go bad? Because you don't see it. Mm. Versus the food at the front of the fridge, mm -hmm. you always eat it. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I forgot I had that back there. Mm -hmm. So the the most practical thing that you could do to take control of your eating is to remove your access to foods that you struggle with completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Um, something I that's been helpful to me is mm -hmm. high-volume, uh, yeah. low-calorie foods. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I showed you what I'm eating, right, and yeah. the stuff that I'm eating. And I was telling you, I was sitting there eating it, and I was like, bro, I'm stuffed. Mm -hmm. Like chicken breast, broccoli, mm -hmm. kale, these are high-nutrient yeah. uh, foods that are Big meaning the mm -hmm. volume is big meaning they fill up my stomach, mm -hmm. yet they're lower in calories. Mm -hmm. Chicken breast, broccoli, kale, spinach, um, these sorts of things they fill up the stomach mm -hmm. and they 
they uh, they're high in nutrients. Yeah. Whereas processed foods, mm-hmm. stuff like bread and pasta, mm-hmm. right, are going to be high calorie, mm-hmm. low volume. Yep. You eat a little bit of it, Definitely. but it's a lot of bit of calories. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's something that I've been uh, I've been more aware of is like let mm-hmm. me let me try to eat as plainly as possible. Yeah. And uh, and then and then when I'm eating the high volume foods, then it's like, well, now I just have to consistently mm-hmm. uh, break the sugar addiction, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. now I'm not yeah. eating because I'm oh I'm starving, I'm famished, I'm not I'm not yeah. hungry, mm-hmm. my stomach's full. Uh-huh. I'm now working with it through a chemical imbalance of uh-huh. let me get uh-huh. off the sugar and the stuff that I'm naturally addicted to, like ice yeah. cream or whatever. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. And yeah, some of the high volume foods that you can go with, like I love egg whites, like you said, chicken breast. Obviously, going with like a solid salad, you know, making sure I love popcorn. Something I recommend all the time is just mm-hmm. like all natural popcorn because you could eat a lot of it and it's really low calories. And so, if you focus on these high volume, high protein dense foods, and for those of you guys who don't know what that means, if you take, let's say, use the example of the salad mm-hmm. that Ruslan just ate this morning versus let's use peanut butter as the other example. Yep. If you take a handful of salad versus yeah. a handful of yeah. peanut butter, yeah. the peanut butter is significantly higher in calories. Right, right. But both pretty much gave you similar in satiety, yeah. which means how full yes. you are. And yes. so, and it's not that the peanut butter is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. peanut butter could have a utility, mm-hmm. right? Like my nephew, who's six three and mm-hmm. one hundred and fifty pounds, mm-hmm. peanut butter is probably a really helpful utility yeah. for him to get more calories in. Mm-hmm. But the person like me. I stay away from peanut butter like the plague. Yeah. Like I yeah. run from any butters uh-huh. <laughs> because of what exactly what you uh-huh. just described. Mm-hmm. So if you could focus the majority of the foods you're eating around high volume foods, yes. you're going to find yourself not only eating less calories, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to eat more food, you're going to be eat, be able to eat more frequently, but you're not going to be as hungry all the time, which will prevent your problem with snacking. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about exercise? Talk mm-hmm. talk about just some basics of exercise that I think may, maybe people have a, a lower. I, one of the things I think most most helpful mm-hmm. to me for exercise is it's a different bucket. Uh huh. I can't I can't I can't yeah. work off yep. a crappy diet. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different bucket. There's uh-huh. the food side and then there's the exercise side. Mm-hmm. And even though it, someone that's an elite athlete and they're burning ten thousand mm-hmm. calories or whatever, right? It's, the average person's not that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, I've I've found value in just separating the two. Mm-hmm. Talk about that exactly, and I think it gets confusing when you try to mix it all, mix it together. I burn this many calories mm-hmm. so I could eat this many, mm-hmm. and it gets very confusing. To break it down as simply as possible, your diet is for losing fat, losing yeah. weight, yeah. working out, and lifting weights, and resistant training is for building muscle. Mm-hmm. And so, like you're saying, when I go to the gym and I'm burning calories, I don't look at my Apple Watch and think how many calories I burned. I'm trying to build as much lean muscle as possible. Yeah. My diet is where I lose the fat. Mm-hmm. And so and if I'm trying to manipulate what my weight is at, that all comes down really to my my diet and what I'm doing. So I think the biggest misconception with exercise is that you need to spend 10, 12 hours a week, mm-hmm. two hours a day in the gym to see results. You could spend three to four days a week, 45 minutes a day, mm-hmm. very minimal time as long as everything's structured properly and see amazing results. Yeah. You know, it really comes down to your ability to adhere and be as consistent as possible. You know, I think a lot of people, they struggle with with comparing their program and what their capacity is to someone else's. Mm -hmm. You know, if maybe you have three kids, you haven't worked out in years, you don't need to hop on a six day a week program right away. Yep. You know, start small. Yeah. Like commit there. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you echoed. On, on your Instagram mm-hmm. that, I, that uh, I saw a video on this and there's a study that just came out that said folks who 
um, folks who do this end up like drastically increasing their lifespan and mm-hmm. their quality of life, which is 8,000 steps a day, mm-hmm. right? So instead of like, you got to go do this gnarly run uh-huh. and do do a marathon, do all this crazy stuff mm-hmm. for cardio, you were like, dude, just walk 8,000 yeah. steps a day and right that'll there. knock out your car- a lot of your cardio needs. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, they're already getting a good amount of steps in, mm-hmm. whether it's in their career, mm-hmm. um, you know, at work or just being active with your kids. But mm-hmm. when you start just living a more active lifestyle, like the difference between our society and our culture now versus 100, 200 years ago that was a lot more fit is the careers that we had, right? A lot of people were more active in their careers, yeah. hands-on. Nowadays, yeah. we work from home. Sit in front of the desk, mm-hmm. get, sit in front of a computer. Mm-hmm. And so the problem, yes, it's our diet, but it's also the sedentary lifestyle that mm-hmm. we live. Yeah, it's good. And by sedentary, I mean just not moving as much. Mm-hmm. And so when you break down being able to track your steps and the way the technology is, how amazing it is, you can just put your phone in your pocket and it tracks your steps. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could have a watch on and it tracks your steps. And hitting, like you're saying, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 steps every single day is relatively easy. Yep. You could break it up. You don't even have to sweat mm-hmm. to do it, mm-hmm. right? And so practically the way that that looks and the way I like to break it down is let's say you committed to 15-minute walk in the morning, maybe a 15-minute walk on your lunch break, maybe another 15-minute walk later in the day or 30-minute walk. You take the stairs at work. Mm-hmm. You park a little farther from the grocery mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. Like super practical things yep. that you could do on, yep. a, on a day-to-day basis. Go walk your dog. Your dog hasn't been out in weeks. Right? <laughs> walk the dog, <laughs> yeah, man. Exactly. That's good. Super easy things. Yeah. And the amazing thing about walking that I love is you could you could multitask and walk. Mm. So like what I do is I'll answer emails. I'll go on a walk and, and still work and, yeah. and do things. Yeah. You like to listen to a pod, go walk and listen to a podcast. So one of the best ways to start implementing a new habit mm-hmm. is habit stacking. Yep. Yep. Right. Doing things something you love with something you don't. Mm. You like to listen to audiobooks, listen to audiobook and make that your routine when you're going on a walk. Let's say you have a work call to get on. Instead of sitting at your desk and being on a work call, just go walk outside yeah. while you're on the call. Yeah. Very, very easy, practical things. And that's why walking is such, in my opinion, the most underrated exercise tool that mm-hmm. people are not using. That's so good, man. That's so good. And those are things that I think are very practical. You, you, mm-hmm. you broke down quite a few in a very short amount of time. So you mm-hmm. guys might need to rewind this and really <laughs> consume it. But let's talk about some of the false ideology uh-huh. that's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fat positivity, mm-hmm. healthy at every size, right? A lot of this stuff that there seems to be an ideological bent mm-hmm. um, to keep people unhealthy. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you make of all this? Yeah, I think with fat positivity, it's just us trying to make sure that like I feel good about myself and where I'm at like Mm -hmm. it's okay give a pat on the back like one of the things as a coach that I try to always say like I want to be your coach not your friend Mm -hmm. and we have too many people in our society is is just giving too many pats on the back yeah yeah you know and I think like love does not always pat on the back Mm -hmm. you know you need correction Mm -hmm. right like uh, we talk about the word repentance it's a turning yeah. you know, from your ways. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, as a culture, we're afraid to, I guess, technically repent of just the way and the direction that we're headed in. Mm-hmm. So everyone's patting each other on the back and giving you a reason to stay in your current situation and state. You know, and really what our world needs is tough love. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you need tough love and something that I've 
matured in as a content creator is giving that tough love because a lot of people, they don't get tough love in their life. They don't have a <laughs> mentor. Good. They don't have yeah. someone to hold them accountable. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. like in your in your close circle, you need someone that will be there to to call you out. Yeah. You know, on, on what you're doing wrong. And so as someone of in authority, like I want to be that person and individual when a lot of people are not willing to do that. Man, that's so good. And a lot of people are are disconnected. Mm-hmm. And disjointed from diverse community. Yeah. And by diverse community, I mean like in my local church, mm-hmm. I've had there's by proxy, I'm around people that are really healthy. Uh-huh. And I'm around people mm-hmm. that are not. I'm Definitely. around people that are very successful. I'm around people that are not. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm around people that have been married for 30 years mm-hmm. and they're showing me a blueprint on how to have a sta- stable marriage. Yeah. I'm around people that are single. What what what's happened now is less less people in church, mm-hmm. so you're not getting the same access to a diverse mm-hmm. group of perspectives yeah. in terms of how to navigate along in this in this very confusing, mm-hmm. complicated, dark world that we live in. Yeah. And so, if you then just enter an echo chamber of like, I'm just gonna be around people that are just like me uh-huh. and value the same things as, as I do, you're setting yourself up for failure mm-hmm. because oftentimes you need those tangible examples. And so, I love that quote mm-hmm. you said. I'm I'm here to be your coach, not your friend. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people are just immersed with people like them, uh-huh. and then they wonder why they never get results or breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, you know, that just reminds me of when I first started going to my new gym. Mm-hmm. And I would go I, – I, I went from a 24-hour fitness gym mm-hmm. to now a private gym mm-hmm. where bodybuilders train and, and big fitness influencers – the guys like Simeon Panda, Mike Rashid, Joey Swole, mm-hmm. if, if you know those names, where I would be in the gym working out with these guys every single day, I felt insignificant. I did not feel, <laughs> I did not feel like I was someone that meant to be there. But by being in that gym every single day and seeing these guys trained, it yeah. caused me to level up what Come I was on. doing. Yeah. Versus when I was at a twenty-four hour fitness, I was the the alpha dog. I was yeah. like the big guy there. Yeah. Everyone is giving me giving me pats on the back yeah. and, and yeah, man, yeah. you look so good, man, you look great. What are you doing? Right. Mm. And I'm getting all these compliments. And then I go to a new gym and I'm the small guy there. Mm. I needed that. I yeah. needed to be the small guy again. Mm. If I wanted to take yeah. what I was doing to the next level. That's so good. Uh, and, and sometimes that, that comes with an expense, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming your gym now yeah. is more expensive than a 24 hour. Oh, fitness. Absolutely. How much more expensive is it? So I, I have to pay $500 a month for my gym. Wow. And so before I was, had any income, yeah. I, I started going to this new gym cause I knew that's what I had to do. Yeah. I just knew like just the environment and the value had of be, proximity. I have to change my yeah. environment. Yeah. I have to be around these people if this is the lifestyle I want, if this is what I want to do with, with my life and my career. Yeah. And so I started paying for the gym on a credit card because I legit did not have the money to do so. Uh-huh. $500 a month, mm-hmm. which is a lot for mm-hmm. a gym. So I, so that, I don't know any other gyms that cost that much, right? Yeah. So I'm paying $500 a month just to be around and surrounded by individuals that I aspired to be like in mm-hmm. terms of fitness. You think that, that, that like having that much skin in the mm-hmm. game uh, – made you get a better return for your time there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I do not think I would be where I'm at today if I would not have made that type of a sacrifice because it forced me not not only to have a timeline on my goals and what mm-hmm. I needed to do because obviously I couldn't pay, you know, $500 a month on my credit card mm-hmm. every single month, but it also caused me to put my, you know, money where my heart was like, all right, like this is what I'm investing in. Yeah. I'm going to make this happen. And so when things got hard, 
I knew I didn't have an option to quit because mm-hmm. I was already so deep in it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like putting the money in, into the gym and being like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to believe in myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put the $500 down a month and just make it happen. And it took me like three months mm-hmm. of kind of like being in the negative to, to get out of that. But, you know, without that three months, I would not be here today. It's interesting. Um, let's talk about the other the other extreme of all of this, uh-huh. right? So there's fat positivity. There's yeah. a lack of investing in yourself. There's a lot of limited mm-hmm. beliefs. Let's talk about the other extreme of that, right? Right mm-hmm. now, I mean, it's always, someone's always talking about it. Recently, it was with Liver King, uh-huh. uh, the natty or not uh-huh. conversation, right? You just did a natural bodybuilding competition. Yeah. You got super duper lean for mm-hmm. it. Um, talk about the tension within the fitness community have mm. you felt any pressure to be like hey man like when try some of this stuff yeah. right and and even getting naysayers saying nah bro there's no way you're natural in your yeah. comments sometimes like talk about the the mm. that the community of fitness and mm. sometimes it's swaying to the other extreme with a guy like liver king mm. i mean to do the legitimately have body dysphoria like yeah. this man was like man i i have love handles and we're looking like yeah but you don't have love handles uh-huh. you know but Talk about that other extreme mm-hmm. where now you're talking about this dude spending 12k a month or whatever the number was, yeah, ridiculous. and 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 how things can get unhealthy uh-huh. in the other extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, like when I just started working out in fitness before I transitioned and I was working out working out at 24 Hour Fitness, I had no idea how many guys actually used use steroids or performance enhancing drugs. Mm-hmm. I really thought most people were natural unless they were, you know, these huge like Arnold Schwarzenegger you know, Jay Cutler type of guys, mm-hmm. you know? And so once I like actually got into the industry and I learned like, man, like a lot of the guys that you see on a day-to-day basis are actually on, on the juice, you know, mm-hmm. they're using sauce. Yeah. They're on the sauce. And, yeah. and so I was like, man, like this is actually a more common thing yeah. than I knew it was. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, that's why the liver King controversy was such a b- big thing. Because like, for me, when I look, look at the guy, like I'm like, there's absolutely no way he's natural. At this point, you mm-hmm. can spot what's yeah. natural and what's not right mm-hmm. away. I'm probably my eyes probably not as trained as yours, mm-hmm. but you know right away yeah. who is natural and who isn't. Exactly. Yeah. So for the common eye, you're just gonna take someone's word for what it is, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, you know, now now we're in a place where, you know, I, even I get comments all the time where you know, like, oh, you're, there's no way you're natty. Mm-hmm. Um, just guys just coming at me all over the place for for different things. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I wanted to do is I'm really passionate about being natural. Why? Because mm-hmm. I'm in this for the long haul. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I want to be healthy. Yeah. Not only that, but I also want to set an example of what is attainable naturally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things I'm like, how how big of a, a fraud would I feel if I'm trying to promote this healthier lifestyle and telling people to do X, Y, Z to get this result when that's not what I did? I'd feel very hypocritical. And so for me, I want to lead by example about mm-hmm. what is possible natural because mm-hmm. I think a lot of, the, especially in our culture now, if you go on TikTok, there's a whole different category of guys like being completely open mm-hmm. about their gear usage or mm-hmm. you know their juice usage, where they're they're telling you exactly the dosage they're mm-hmm. using, and so that's a whole another thing that's coming out. Yeah, because so many guys have been lying. Mm-hmm. Now there's a whole different avenue um, and niche mm-hmm. of like actually let's open up and talk yeah. about it yeah, but yeah. it's getting to a point where it's too much mm-hmm. where now you got these young kids on tiktok learning about mm-hmm. steroid usage and mm-hmm. what's good and how you can do it right and the different levels to it yeah and so it's just 
crazy when you talk about it. I think at the end of the day, what matters is, you know, your transparency. Yeah. You know, and so what's awesome about me doing a natural bodybuilding show, um, the WMBF, World Natural Bodybuilding Federation, I was able to get drug tested. Yeah, I was going to say they drug tested yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> drug yeah. tested. Um, I still get drug tested. I had to do a polygraph, so a lie detector test. Wow. And so, you know, for me, like, to be transparent and open and to show everyone, mm -hmm. hey, like, here's the data. Like, I actually have been tested mm -hmm. for this. Mm -hmm. What um, What is the appeal of getting mm -hmm. that big? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, like, I think walking around in your ideal BMI, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit over if you're super, you know, you, mm -hmm. you're carrying some muscle. Mm -hmm. I think you just feel better, right? Yeah. What's the appeal of being that big? I remember somebody telling me once, um, the heart doesn't know mm -hmm. if you're 250 pounds muscular or if you're 250 pounds overweight. Mm. Your heart doesn't know the difference. Mm. Like, yeah. So it's not ideal to be so and carry so yeah. much muscle on your frame. What's the appeal Definitely. for these guys? Yeah, I think the appeal, like, for me personally, I, if if you're trying to win, you know, a, a bodybuilding show, you're trying to be an IFBB pro, and that's mm -hmm. like your life, and that's what you're going for. Like, mm -hmm. I totally respect it. All I ask is for transparency and to be open mm -hmm. you know if you want to win the olympia you want to be the next c-bum yeah like and that's what you want to do yeah go for it right but for your average joe for your average person mm -hmm. it is not optimal to use performance enhancing drugs for the long term mm -hmm. the appeal comes down to i think just being the, the biggest guy in the room and for a lot of a lot of guys <laughs> it's so right? shallow it's like, like that's my bugatti yeah. <laughs> like what <laughs> That really is all, all it is. And and also for a lot of people, let's say let's use just use the average Joe for an example. Yeah. They don't believe that they could actually achieve like a great physique. Mm -hmm. They don't they they struggle with their diet. You don't you have no idea how many people I've talked to that yeah. are taking performance enhancing drugs, but they don't even diet correctly. Uh, and and to my understanding, like to mm -hmm. get those results, even on drugs, mm -hmm. your workouts and your diet mm -hmm. still gotta be fine-tuned like yeah, crazy. Exactly. So I have a lot of people that you know, come to me for help, and they're on gear. Yeah, and I'm just like, you know, don't even worry about that stuff unless you could lock in your training right. and nutrition. You right. know, because that's without that, it doesn't matter. And if you're younger and you're watching this, uh -huh. you have the advantage of newbie gains. Mm -hmm. If your testosterone is through the roof mm -hmm. and you're 18 to what 24, 25, yeah. how much muscle can you just realistically put on in a mm -hmm. year if you're perfectly trained? You've never trained before. You're perfectly training, yeah. and you hit the nutrition mm -hmm. correctly in terms of the right amount of protein. How much muscle does someone can you naturally can put on? Like 15 to 30 pounds, like in your first yeah. year. That's a lot of muscle. muscle. Yeah, that's a lot of muscle. So it's like yeah. I don't even understand the appeal of mm -hmm. wanting to do that if you can go from being like my nephew, who's 150, six foot three, mm -hmm. and he could be 180, you know, within a year if he mm -hmm. just nailed his nutrition and training. Yeah, it's the work. Yeah, it's, it's the, the same reason why the pharmaceutical industry is booming mm. it's e it's just easier mm. you know it's very difficult and it takes a lot longer mm -hmm. to achieve like the physique and the body you want naturally yeah versus going on a a, a 16 week cycle of xyz drug right mm. like it's just the same mindset of i want a shortcut mm. it's for a lot of people that is you know using performance enhancing drugs and so i always just recommend like just be patient yeah. like anything else like yeah. at least try yeah naturally yeah you know i even have a, a client that joined my program who was like this close to jumping on gear and i said i was like just try yeah first and now he loves his physique and what he's able to attain but he yeah. just didn't think it was possible you know yeah. without the right approach how do you feel about functional medicine mm -hmm. and like there's there's a big 
movement right now. Like get your blood work and find yeah. out like all the particulars. Obviously, testosterone is really important for yeah. men. But some of the other stuff where they're like, "We'll get your blood work done and mm -hmm. we'll find." Well, you know, Dana Dana White said he uh -huh. uh, yeah he sat down with somebody to do blood work and he predicted how many more years he had to live uh -huh. based on the blood work. Like, what do you make of that world? Because it's starting mm -hmm. to explode. And yeah. some of it sounds really reasonable. Like, obviously, your testosterone as mm -hmm. a man should matter, especially when you're in your 30s. Mm -hmm. But what about some of the other stuff in terms of them um, looking at your blood work and then being able to make kind of predictions yeah. or, or prescriptions on what you should or shouldn't be doing? Or even like um, the blood type diet. Yeah. You know, I've heard of that where, where you do. I think at the end of the day, like, I think blood work is very important, you know, mm -hmm. getting it done a couple times a year just to get your basic, you know, understanding. Like, you could even just get your white blood cells, mm -hmm. check for cancer and things like that. It's mm -hmm. actually really healthy to get your blood work done just to check it off your box of health things you do mm -hmm. for yourself throughout mm -hmm. the year. Um, In terms of, like, you trying to figure out what diet's best for you, what you're allergic to, and, yeah. and all those things. Like, if you just think about our ancestors didn't have that stuff, right? Yeah. And so for me, I try not to overcomplicate things. If something yeah. is hard for me to understand yeah. or hard for me to explain to someone, yeah. I try to just stay away from it. Like yeah. focus on the basics. The basics still work. Mm -hmm. The same exercises that worked 30 years ago work now. Yeah. You yeah. know, the same like like protein is protein, right? So yeah. I personally try to keep things very simple and, yeah. and basic. Yeah. Because I believe like simplicity scales and complexity fails oh so good. if i'm focusing on all these other things in terms of like oh i need to make sure that that i'm eating in this window and like it just gets very confusing for people yeah um but the stuff you're talking about you could probably go to your doctor and just say hey can i test my test exactly can i just get just some blood run some blood panels yeah that's that kind all of I would stuff you can get doing. you can mm -hmm. get but you wouldn't go the extra mile to pay like a functional doctor hundreds of dollars yeah i don't think that's necessary you know you could Try. I always say, you know, if you want, you want to do it, try it out. Yeah. See if it works for you, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone's different, but that's not something I, I do yeah. right now or recommend. I just think it's too much. Yeah. Hey, if you guys want to see the extended version of this interview, sign up for our Patreon for only $5 a month. It helps us contextualize the gospel. And in exchange, you get exclusive segments to parts of the podcast that are only on Patreon. A lot of our podcasts come out early on Patreon. Exclusive daily after-party streams that are only on Patreon. A discount code for our merch store and Discord access. So sign up below for only $5 a month and I'll see you over there. All right. Peace.